we're not we're not too far off from the first chapter that uh revisits Tatooine. Um so yeah. yeah, no, that's part of the reinteresting thing is we're revisiting everything. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, this is the first time this happened. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, that's what <laughs> starting from the beginning is, idiot. <laughs> uh, There's no point like of like getting super excited about that knowing, but also at the same time, you are excited because you're like, yeah. I love this catchphrase. <laughs> like, this is the best, right? And I I was just like, uh, I'm like, now that we have our little uh, our little shtick about Tatooine being the Nebraska of the Star Wars universe, I was like, oh, I can't I can't wait for that episode, right? Like, now I'm back. I'm going to grind well, that into the ground. <laughs> I realized today as I was cramming Star Wars stuff, I was like, oh, great. I'm really happy we're nerdy enough to combine our love of Star Wars with our love of homework. Yes. You know, I, <laughs> oh, we we won't make this. I oh, I'm hoping. Oh, I'm cautiously optimistic that we can move uh, at a reason, or I can move at a reasonable pace. Challenge so, accepted, challenge guys. Accepted. Is this the way? This is chapter two. The child. Uh, I'm gonna just give this information out at the beginning. So yeah. Everyone's caught up. Andy and I are recatching up on season one. We've already watched season two. So we are not planning on any spoilers if you're starting the series and this is like your second episode ever you watch. You are safe here. We're just explaining what's going on in the background of everything so you have an understanding of where the characters are coming from and what's the bigger picture that you're watching. Star Wars has a way of not giving you all the background information, but the nerds do. And that's who we are. And that's what we're doing. We're listening to Andrew Leonard's. You can find him at A. Leonard's. A Leonard's on Twitter and Leonard's on Instagram. L E N A R D S. Aaron Michael Marsh. You can find me at Aaron M Marsh on everything. Please uh, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Give us a comment. I enjoy those. They're actually really yes. funny if you want to just go read them and not leave one. But while you're there, do it. Yeah, it helps well. us out. It's like actually the thing that helps us out the most, believe it or not, it helps us break the algorithm. And that's what nerds love breaking yes. the numbers. All right. So, Andy. I'm going to turn the, the tables over to sure. you. Awesome. So this is uh, this, ch- this chapter is named after the officially Disney sanctioned name for, uh, for baby Yoda, the child directed by Rick Famoyiwa. We uh-huh. begin back on Arvala seven. Uh, we're, we're finding ourselves now in this sort of escort mission. So the Mando, ha- uh, the, our, our character, um, the Mando has, um, the egg-shaped repulsor lift carriage following him, and we find ourselves in this little canyon. Uh, it starts with something that that I missed on the first watch through, but the, this notion of these uh, lizards that are taking a lot of notice in uh, in them walking through, and you know, I just kind of thought of it as you know, kind of just a atmospheric little bits. But now on this uh, watch through, I noticed this. Uh, is a connection to the force or this is someone who's force sensitive and the creatures are interested in, um, in someone. Um, That's so, funny. I took it as they want to eat him. <laughs> <laughs> which, which it could, right? I mean, it could be that, but there was this sort of skittering interest, right? And so we're, we're kind of pulling in a little bit of that. 
Um, and then it also helps in uh, drawing up a little bit of tension in the fact that we are we are mountless. Uh, Queel, our character from chapter one, pointed out that you know in order for you to make that journey from where his ship is to the compound where the asset was being held, you want to have a mount. You want to have a blurg, right? Um, you know who doesn't want a blurg? But uh, you especially want a blurg for this. <laughs> So, so so we get uh we get this idea that that coming back from uh, the compound is going to be moderately treacherous and we get an ambush right away from uh trandosians they're uh the lizard race um uh they're they're noted for being really uh the jerks of the star wars universe they're they're pretty unsavory individuals overall because um, i'm the guy that just calls the actors by their names i'm like those are bosk ones <laughs> Yes, I was just going to say, for shorthand, we can say two Bosks uh, with vibro axes. Um, yeah, ambushed. he's the most notable of the species. Yeah, and uh, and so um, so we we get to see uh, a vibro axe, which you you had a lot of sort of as a toy, you know, a static sort of thing. But we get to see vibro axes in action, um, and then we mentioned briefly um, part of the part of the most iconic thing of seeing uh, the Mandalorian move through this universe is that uh, is that pulse rifle on his back, mm -hmm. and so. We the the amban phase pulse rifle in action so we get it in a shock action uh like we did in chapter one but we get the fact that this is a full-blown disruptor and now we know disintegration disintegrates awesome. <laughs> yes i was waiting for the disintegration yeah it's so good um notably darth vader told boba fett not to disintegrate yep uh and they don't really explain why or what or why he would say that to Boba Fett. And so they really brought it around and they let us watch him completely disintegrate somebody. And it was awesome. It was great. I mean, it was just like it was a it was a, a really amazing little uh, action sequence there in the disintegration. A really nice effect of the tracking fob dropping to the ground after the disintegration. So we realize that um, that Mando is in a serious amount of peril. Like he's yeah. he's just because he has just because he has the package, so to speak, right now. Uh, the child may not end up in his possession for um, for long yeah, enough for him to get back. Tracking this child. Yeah, definitely. And so um, so we get this um, sort of of peril that we see ourselves in. Um, you know, we're looking at this in chapter two. This is a little bit of the, you know, the bump in the road along the way. Mando is hurt. Um, Baby Yoda tries to come over and help, but Mando doesn't see what he's doing. He still very much sees him as this small child, kind of puts him back. Baby Yoda gets back out of the out of the repulsor lift carriage, tries to help again, puts him back, and we really start to see the disintegrate or the the patchwork nature of the armor that he has. So uh, you know, in in chapter one, you know he gets he gets a new uh, pauldron, uh, replaces a scout armor piece of uh, uh, that he had been wearing, by the way. Um, yeah. So the the mis mismatched nature of the armor, even though it, what's left is matching, definitely was starting to lose uh, its in its its shape and form, and so he's having to kind of piece things back together, and then. We make it since since our travel is is not blurred. We're not moving at blurg speed. <laughs> but man, I like that that's a unit of measure. I accept. <laughs> we are below blurg speaks. <laughs> yes, um, sub blurg. Uh, so Mando arrives, and we see that he has 
fallen victim to one of the classic blunders in the Star Wars universe, know where you park your ship. And the Jawas have straight up stripped the Razorcrest. It is a skeleton of its former glory. And this leads into this just amazing little battle sequence where uh, we get to see the, the pulse rifle in action again, the Ambam pulse rifle disintegrating some Jawas, uh, which is if if I if this was a video game, I would just sit and disintegrate Jawas for as long as I had ammunition. Uh, oh, yeah, that's where you sit there and gain experience points <laughs> that you don't need. Yeah, like, just, I could just blow these guys out of the water. It's like Womp Rants. You just, yeah. just, just destroy them as you go. Yeah, bullseye these. Um, so we get this, uh, you know, in essence, Mando, Mando trying to hold on to the pieces that are uh, that are now make made it into the sand crawler. We start to realize too uh, the the impervious nature of the sand crawler uh, as as Mando tries to do a very Batman uh, uh, Adam West Batman grappling hook ascent, um, and he's getting you know kind of the full bore of junk thrown at him and everything else from uh, the Jawas. He makes it up to the top, and then we see the very iconic ion cannon he gets takes one straight to the chest and falls off the edge yeah uh that was uh that was just a a great way to show uh the that peril for him um and so you know he wakes up (laughs) to uh to the child sort of staring at him like you know what's your deal man are you like are you alive like given given how tall that thing was you, you know it's a it's a fair fair question so we realize uh, just how how battered up um, Mando is at the moment. He realizes the only thing he's got uh, to only his only connection on Aravala Seven really is Queel. So we head mm-hmm. back uh, to to Queel. Queel, uh, uh, you know, nice warm welcome. I thought you were dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that is kind of the legend of the Mandalorians. Yeah. You're told you're just told they're awesome, and so you just believe it. And then when one disappears forever without a blur, just yes. in the desert, you go, yeah. okay, this is this isn't gonna make it. But it also shows his level of survival that he has. It is yeah. beyond the odds. And so we really are uh, getting the establishment of the fact that that the man inside that armor is is a battle hardened individual. Um, I think it was really interesting the the exchange between uh, Mando and Quill. Mando really kind of a uh, shows up to Quills with a super bad attitude where he's like my ship's destroyed and quill's like it's not destroyed it's just stripped uh and then he he gives him a little lesson on uh etiquette that the jawas uh the jawas steal they do not destroy so it's uh, true i really feel like quill in this scene is what your brother is and you know in real life you know you show like (laughs) i thought you were dead and you're like my car's all beat up it's like no it's just stripped you can get replacement parts for this this thing still has life in it yeah, there's no problem here. You know, you weld it on, and if you and if you don't like where it is or it doesn't work, you cut it back off, right? Yeah, That's or like a, a mom, you go, hey, you just got to go back to the Jawas that stole the stuff and ask for it back. Yeah, so we uh, we we see, you know, the the sort of reluctance in Mando to to even try to deal with the Jawas. He's he's if he's gonna have a shot, he's gonna he's gonna straight up disintegrate every single one of them. So, uh, so we have, you know, Quill being the sort of voice of reason, uh, so to speak, in this early phases of our introduction. Um, and so uh, we realize, that, well, Quill, a rich man who has a blurg, um, they, they take that blurg off and, and go try to make a deal with uh, the Jawas. Um, 
one of the one of the favorite things about this is you know the Jawas now realize that I love the line about you know they really hate you. Uh, Quill tells him, and he's like, "Well, I did disintegrate a few of them, right?" Yeah. Uh, so so we realize that you know the Jawas really are. Uh, um, uh, individuals of enterprise, right? They're willing to put aside. Uh, they're willing to put aside the fact that several of them have been killed in order for to see kind of like what deal do you have for us? I As always, every uh, business owner I've ever met, they're like, "Well, if you're <laughs> gonna buy my stuff, I'm gonna deal with all of their personality." <laughs> And it's great, uh, you know, the the line in here, too, that I really love about um, I'm a Mandalorian. Weapons are part of my religion. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that was the one that I've seen kind of um, float, uh, you know, a fair bit around as far as uh, some of the different iconic lines. Um, we we re- we see, you know, as Queel is trying to, to play interpreter for us that, you know, Mando basically cuts in and starts speaking Jawa to the Jawas, uh, to which they tell him that he speaks Jawa like a Wookiee. Uh, I thought that was uh, a pretty a pretty hilarious insult uh, <laughs> to be dealt. So um, you know, of course, the Jawas asked for the best car. We know that's you know a non-starter, uh, and we find out that that instead they just want an egg. How hard yeah. could it be to get an egg? Yeah, I love that. We're like, what do you want? The egg. Yeah. And just the like, egg. All right, let's go get to the egg. He's gonna get us the egg. It was <laughs> kind of reminded me when the doctor told you you're putting too many eggs in your omelet. You know, like the Jawas are all you. <laughs> they're like, no one needs that much egg. And they're like, no, 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 the egg. Well, the funny thing, too, is, you know, um, the very, very first time that I saw this, I thought when the egg was a reference to the carriage, like that they wanted the child. Yes, um, me too. And so, you know, now this is, you know, I've watched this a couple different times. And uh, and so now, I, you know, I, I knew kind of where we were headed with that. But uh, but yeah, so so we find out that it's, you know, it's not it's not an egg or it's not like a dozen eggs or it's not even like farm fresh cage free brown eggs. Uh, it's, in fact, an egg from a mud horn. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we are brought, um, I, I, I would like to, to, or I noted this on this time through that the sand crawler stays a healthy distance away from where the actual mud horn is. Mm-hmm. So you get an idea of just how dangerous this is. Uh, there's some sort of ground den uh, that the mud horn is in that uh, Mando goes in and is basically trying to, to suss out. So either the, the mud horn has dug this den or it killed whoever had that den. Uh, we see some bones and various things. And then we realize that Mandalorians are awesome, but they may not be optimized to fight mud horns. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Mando- I mean, there's actually made to fight Jedi's. Yes. And, and you've got, you know, that, you know, combination of like sort of the Batman utility belt sort of, uh, sort of things. And the, this is not this is not what their weaponry is necessarily uh, designed for. So uh, right away, Mando is thrown out of the cave uh, with a basically busted chess piece, and uh, you realize just how you know screwed he is at that moment. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we start to see uh, you know the that he's got a jammed the rifle, which has been you know already shown to be such a great weapon, is jammed thanks to the mud. And all of the sort of things that he's trying to do, he's got his grappling, his grappling cord. It's actually worse dragging him around. And we start to realize that, in fact, Mando may have met his match. 
And then that's right. This egg is not as easy as it sounds. Yeah. This is not just going to the store to get some eggs. And then we have the actual confirmation of what I slipped a little on at the very, very beginning there. Where I talked about the lizards and said something about, you know, the child being force sensitive that in fact, baby Yoda has the ability to stop mm-hmm. and hold the mud horn and even levitate the mud horn a la an, an X-wing almost. I mean, this is a large mm-hmm. creature and Mando takes his, takes his uh, moment. Oh, I should say we see it. We see, we saw vibro axis the beginning. We, mm-hmm. we see that Mando has a vibro braid vibro blade in, uh, in his boot uh, at the top of his boot kills the mud horn with the vibro blade. And then we see the child, pass out you know just yeah. completely like that took all of his energy out of him uh mando is able to go in, back into that den find like andy after like three ribs <laughs> <laughs> totally just pass out total meat sweats uh, uh on the horizon and then we see that the egg isn't what you would necessarily think of as an egg that in fact it's furry it's a furry hairy egg so I have hairy egg is found written in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's big. It's like the size of a basketball. Yeah. But I'm going to be honest. When they crack open that furry egg. Yeah. That's the moment I fell in love with the, the series. Really? Yeah. It was at that moment because it was like, okay, I'm dealing with like these notable creatures that I've seen before and all these other things. This is a really fun episode. And when the egg showed up, I was like, oh, this is hilarious. I'm in. Yeah. This is good. And then they crack it open. And they all start just eating it with their little gloved hands. Oh, man. Just putting it straight in the egg. Just yolk everywhere. And, and it like, really is just yolk, gooey, gooey yolk everywhere. And they are full on in. And 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 they were just about to leave. They're packing up the mm-hmm. sand crawler. Uh, Quill's trying to convince them to stay a little longer. And so we get this, you know, <laughs> we get this totally, uh, you know, t- perfect timing. Um, and, and I, you know, I was really, um, like the, the, I, I'm surprised you waited. I thought was, um, was, was like, a you know, like Mando seemed to, to expect that they wouldn't be there. Um, yeah. and then we get, you know, great. So Quill, uh, Quill really at the very beginning here has got, you know, he's got all these great quips. Uh, and so it's like, you know, surprised it took so long, uh, again, call back to, you know, the, the stories of, of Mandalorian throughout, uh, time. So uh-huh. we get, you know, kind of the, the, you know, okay, here it is. We've, we've got the MacGuffin for, uh, for the Jawas and now they go ahead and give all the stuff back. And we realize, you know, in essence, Mando's like, well, you know, we need, a, we need, and he's, he's thinking about this from what he's used to, which is I'm going to, I'm going to need a full facility to actually get this, uh, to get my ship back up and, and running. And little does he know that apparently Quill is one of the best uh, starship mechanics that he could have bumped into. And yeah, we get it's amazing this... how great of a badass Ugnot he is. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, well, a huge range, right? Be, be able to, mm-hmm. to run a moisture farm, uh, to be able to, to really um, tame. He's, uh, he's taming Blurgs. He's fixing starships. And we get this great 80s style fix it montage uh, to get the Razor Crest uh-huh. back up and shipworthy. Um, really, we see Quill's skills on full display. I think that was uh, quite 
quite a nice little um, way of, of developing that as a character. Uh, I also love the fact that Mando, much like uh, Han uh, giving, uh, giving Ray the opportunity to join the crew of the Millennium Falcon, uh, that Mando, after seeing all this, offers him, uh, you know, hey, I would love to have you as a member of the crew, uh, just mm-hmm. to kind of get an idea of, you know, that Mando sort of sees a, a direction for where they're headed, especially with the bounty. And so uh, we get a little bit of a foreshadowing into what Quill's life has been like, where he talks about how he's, he's worked a lifetime to be free of servitude. So for those not familiar, um, Ugnaughts were, were primarily indentured servants, uh, often in, in mining and industrial settings. Uh, so mining and shipbuilding and things along those yeah, lines. Yeah, we saw that in Cloud City. They were kind it's, of like, yep. you know, like when the hotel, there's the separate hallways for the service so you don't actually see the service walk around all the hallways it's like that in cloud city except yeah. in there the servants are almost all ugnats and they're going through the garbage and they're doing the laundry and they're just doing everything they're fixing whatever's broken yeah as long as sight unseen job for an ugnat yep and uh and you know the the notion here is that that the peace that's offered to Queel now for the Valley, having, uh, having the child gone and having mm-hmm. unsavory people not kind of coming back constantly uh, really is, is an immense trade as far as Queel's concerned. Uh, even though to, to Mando, it doesn't seem like a fair trade at all. So, mm-hmm. and then so. we, we get the, you know, the ship works, you know, like uh, then, and we sort of, head back to in, in the direction where we would expect to be headed, mm-hmm. which is back to uh, deliver the asset to the client. Um, but we end sort of in route back in that direction. Absolutely. And that also to me introduces that this ship is also very Millennium Falcon-like. We're yes. going to have a lot of mishaps with, through this thing where you're like fixing it while flying sort of ideas. Yeah. And so we really get to get um, in in a, a short period of time, really, we're, you know, we're here we are, we're in chapter two, we're starting to see the character of that, uh, the, of the Razor Crest as sort of being in, intertwined with the Mando and the Mando's journeys and various quests. And, and so we get a little of that, um, that kind of World War II vibe of like bombers mm-hmm. that like, you know, can't be taken down and they make it and then sort of miraculous kind of a aspect. So we definitely get the, the feeling of this being a legendary ship. Uh, we, you know, in chapter one, we, we find out, you know, it's pre-Empire. Um, we find out uh, at least with the way that it was spoken um, by the Mithril that, that the Razor Crest is actually in essence, uh, that's more in essence, in essence, the model of the ship, not the name of the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there there's um, purported to be other, you know, or we would expect that there are other, um, there are other ships like this. We just don't see them just because they're older ships. So for sure. I just like to throw out there that they did have an R5 droid with them when they came out, the Jawas. Yeah, I did think that was, uh, it's not nice the same. Bit. There's not nothing the that says it's the same one and they're yeah. even on the same planet, yeah. but it was a nice little montage to be like, yeah, you remember the Jawas and the R5 unit back in A New Hope? Here we go. We brought them back and we brought this back. I think it was before they wanted to really get super deep cuts. Yeah. And, but but they definitely wanted to make an homage to that. I well, wanted to it, pull that out. 
Totally. And, you know, we get a variation of the Jawas. So these aren't, these are, they're not the exact Jawas that we see on Tatooine. Um, so the, the sand crawler, interesting thing too, is, 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 uh, I don't know if we've seen the inside of the pilot cockpit area of a sand crawler. Um, so we, we get a little bit of that as they're headed to the Mudhorn and we see how the controls and everything are, are made for someone who's more diminutive than, uh, than Mando. And mm. the, at least the lore um, from a tech from Tatooine is Tatooine was a mining planet and the sand crawlers were left behind by the mining companies. Um, and so the, if that's the case, then, I was always so then whoever was operating and using the sand crawlers had to have been of similar size. So maybe they're Ugnot size, right? So Ugnot's mm -hmm. Jawas were roughly the same size, um, at least from a height perspective. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was kind of an, an interesting little bit to sort of see um, just a, a small uh, twitch of that for for Jawas. Um, you know, for for some Jawas are are like a favorite. You know, like they're. Mm -hmm. They're, they're not, you know, the, uh, the be all end all for, you know, they're not as popular as say stormtroopers and like the fan world is like, no, but it's definitely very iconic as Star Wars. Yeah, for sure. So, and you know, the, the notion here too is, is really to kind of see, um, kind of the, as far as they're going to have to go in order for, you know, him to be able to, to pull this sort of stuff off. So, uh -huh. But yeah, what was so, your rating of it? Um, so I, I would say the interesting thing with this, I wouldn't give it, uh, you know, like kind of on like the high end. I would say like maybe like eight hairy eggs out of ten. Uh, so, so when I first watched it, I was like, this is a ten of ten episode. Yeah. But now that I've rewatched it and I've watched all these other episodes, I'm gonna go and give it a eight utinis okay. out of ten. Yeah. And, because and, I I do have a soft spot for those Jawas, and, and I'm with you in that I remember being um, well. So the, the interesting thing, right, is for us is we can in in our rating you can it's it's the steam of that whole Mudhorn fight. Like we saw uh -huh. it when we when, when I when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is awesome. But now that you know, come back to it, and for I don't know for you, but for me, it's probably the fourth time I've seen this episode. And oh, it's um, got to be my tenth. This oh is yeah, one okay. I've seen the, one of the most. Oh really? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So so not to take anything away from that, but it's one of those things where you, when you get that reveal, then on that kind of when you come back through, I, I'm imagining that that's part of it. Where I probably would have given this a ten out of ten if you'd asked me right after I saw it. So yeah, still yeah, incredibly sure. solid. And when we're looking at this, it's like you know, this is the Star Wars that I've wanted. This is, you know, it's heading in the direction that I want. Oh, for sure. You know, and you're like, this all day going to touch down on the force. We're going to yeah. get something. We're, something's coming. They're just revealing their cards slowly, but every reveal has been fantastic. Um, yeah. I think that's it for this episode. Andy, it is. anything else? Nope. All right, Andy, is this the way? It appears to be. I like it better when you switched it up. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs>